The thoughts you think impact your body, they impact your blood pressure. And it's a lovely idea, but when they can actually see it on the screen and they think about something that stresses them out and they watch their heart rate get irregular, and then they're able to take themselves to a different place, it's so empowering, so empowering. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I have Laura Rose Levin, a licensed therapist who specializes in the evaluation and treatment of anxiety, depression, and trauma. She holds a Master of Science in Counseling and is known for her unique approach in the understanding of anxiety and anxiety disorders. Laura is the founder of The Missing Peace Center for Anxiety, a facility that offers a variety of modalities, including psychotherapy, neurofeedback, art therapy, olfactory anxiety reduction, group therapy, movement, and much more to help ease the nervous system and restore the brain, body, and mind to a place of calmness and relaxation. At the Missing Peace Center for Anxiety, therapy is combined with modern technology to help facilitate the brain to return to its senses and reach a feeling of well-being. In addition, Laura currently serves as the co-chair for the Special Interest Group of Integrative Health for the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, an international nonprofit membership organization and leader in the education, training, and research for anxiety, depression, and related disorders. In the past, she has received many honors for her work, including a recognition award for going above and beyond in the assistance of rehabilitation programs for the National Council of Jewish Women. The National Council of Jewish Women has bestowed her with the Unsung Hero Award by the City of West Hollywood as well. Laura served as an expert on psychological issues on several outlets and has been seen on KCLA, Good Day LA, Fox News, KCL9, KCBS, KABC, and many more. Laura, welcome. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to, to chatting with you. As you know, I have a book in which I talk a lot about psychological issues and anxiety and depression, and is so prevalent, especially with the world that we're currently living in. So I'm sure you're extremely busy with a lot of clients and such. What I like about your approach, it, it seems like your approach to treating anxiety, depression, and trauma is very multidisciplinary, and it, it really attacks this problem at hand through different avenues and to really help the patient or client really reduce their symptoms and be able to keep everything at bay. How did you like put together all these various modalities? Um, was it like trial and error, or you just kind of had an idea that all these things would work? You know, it, it really all started with uh, meditation and neurofeedback. And then in doing the neurofeedback, people are like, why aren't you my real therapist? So in my 40s, I went back to school and, and got my master's. But what I found out is that, you know, it takes more than wheels to make a car. You, you've got to have all these different parts. And even though talking is wonderful and I love being a therapist and I think we all the therapists at my facility do great work, anxiety, depression, and trauma lies in more than the thinking, speaking part of our brain. 
So really it's been uh, my patients that have directed me. So every single time it feels like they're missing something, um, you know, for instance, movement, I go ahead and add that into the program. So we've expanded it to include art therapy and breath work and movement and um, different technologies uh, that work with the brain and the body. Even the, our latest one is songwriting uh, and nutrition is another one. So when you put all this stuff together, then you have a car, then you can go someplace. But with just the wheels, I mean, we didn't get far without the wheel, but <laughs> we need more than that. And I like that approach because it's a very holistic approach. And that's how I feel um, a patient should be treated when, in a, when, when dealing with their own medical symptoms and medical issues. Um, you, have to look at, you have to look at the problem and try to get to the root cause of the issue. And if you don't have other supporting mechanisms in place, it could really confound the issue and actually be problematic for the, the patient. Um, and you mentioned neurofeedback. Let's dive into that. I know that's your, your wheelhouse and your forte. So can you talk to us a little bit about neurofeedback, what it is and, and how it's utilized to help uh, these symptoms that we're discussing? Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you use the word holistic, but I think a lot of people mistake that for more woo-woo kind of stuff as opposed to meaning exactly what it means, working with the whole system, with the whole body. And neurofeedback is one of those things that's just uh, pure, well, I think all of it is science, actually, but um, this modality is used by NASA uh, to help their astronauts focus in space, not feel claustrophobic. It's used by the armed forces for PTSD. They actually bring it on to site, short, like immediately after PTSD, because the sooner you address that in the brain, the easier the recovery time is. And believe it or not, um, the American Pediatric Academy has named it the number one preferred treatment for ADD and ADHD. We're real tired of medicating our kids. And all those drugs, as we get older, are not good for our heart. So it, it helps the grown-ups with that too. Um, so neurofeedback's a game changer. It is really a game changer. And how exactly is it employed and used? I mean, is there like electrodes that are hooked up or is it the changing of the brain waves? I mean, talk to us about, you know, the mechanisms of how it actually works on our bodies. Okay. And, and this may be quite a long dialogue. That's okay. Monologue. So please feel free to interrupt me at, at any point. Um, so right now your, your brain is amazing. If you have a cut on your leg, it's sending a signal up through your nervous system to your brain. And the brain is saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. Sends the signal back down and your leg, you know, heals without us even thinking about it. And that's what the brain does. The brain is always communicating with the body to help it function normally and heal itself. And the way the brain does that is through the nervous system. So everything in our body connects to our nervous system. It goes up into our spine, up into our brains, gives the signals, receives the signals back, and, and sends the message back down. But the, 
weird irony. The way the brain sees and hears the rest of the body through the nerve endings, the brain itself does not have nerve endings. So here's this miraculous organ that can fix most things except itself. So about 80 years ago, some neuroscientists thought, what if the brain could see itself? What if the brain could hear itself, perceive itself? Would it fix itself? And luckily, the answer is yes. Lo and behold, neurofeedback. And they actually started this on feral cats. How we got electrodes onto a feral cat, they should have gotten a Nobel Peace Prize just for that. But um, they, they actually take electrodes. So for people who are not totally familiar with electrodes or an EEG, electroencephalogram, I like to use an EKG as an example an electrocardiogram. So a lot of times, if you haven't experienced it, maybe you've even seen it on medical shows where they put those stickers on the chest and those stickers are connected to electrodes and you see the pen going up and down on the paper with the red line and it, it's reading the electrical activity of the heart. And of course, those electrodes are not sending anything into the body. There's no electricity going into the body. It's just reading the electricity that's coming off of the body. And that's what we're doing with an EEG. We're reading the electricity on the brain. And that goes into the computer. And it actually gets reflected out into a monitor and into speakers so that now for the first time, your brain is able to look at its own electrical activity. It's able to perceive itself. And guess what? It does correct itself when it's able to do that. And luckily technology has improved. We, when I first started doing it, you would actually just watch fractal images of your brain, which is really cool for like five minutes. <laughs> And then it's just bad Pink Floyd meets Spirograph. Now, actually, I use a, a technology where we plug in a movie. Let's say you like uh, Bridesmaids or, or Fast and Furious, whatever your movie is. Your brain electricity gets encoded into the movie. So now your mind can be engaged. Your eyes and ears are listening to a movie but your brain activity is encoded into the movie. So your brain is fixing itself while you're watching a movie. Does it matter what you're watching? Is it programmed for a specific type of, I don't know, some acting or, or, or theme that can alter how the brain is seeing things? So there's different schools of thought on that. Um, Technically, no, it doesn't matter what you're watching because your brain's looking at its own activity. But the example I like to give to people is, let's say a person has, has been molested and you're watching a movie where someone's getting attacked. Um, that can be very triggering and have an opposite effect where you're supposed to be being soothed and relaxed. The other school of thought on that is the brain actually gets to see its own reaction to this virtual experience and will it self-correct in the moment? Will it start deregulating the, the triggered response? So there's two different schools of thought on that. I personally prefer to err toward uh, keeping the body in a relaxed, pleasant state 
uh, I don't, I haven't found that the triggering piece um, uh, overrides the price the person pays in re-experiencing it, especially with severe trauma. So that's my school of thought. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is applicable for anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, those types of things. Is one disease process more successful in treating with neurofeedback than another? Well, the quickest I think is anxiety because that fight flight system is so engaged. Um, and when we're relaxing the central nervous system and the amygdala, there's almost an immediate response an immediate kind of like, ah, oh, I mean, they can feel their bodies relax. They can feel their, their tummy start gurgling. They actually get hungry again for the first time in a long time. So I think the one you feel the fastest is anxiety. Trauma is really a miraculous one. It's more long-term, but the reports and the dreams that people have, a lot of times when you're doing trauma work with the um, neuro, people will start having dreams of, let's say they had an abusive father. And in these dreams now, they're throwing the dad out of the house. They, they shift into the power position rather than the victim position. Really interesting to watch in all sorts of trauma. Depression is the hardest to recognize, but it's still, it's still very effective in its process. It's just that the depression sort of shifts into a more neutral place before you actually get to the the highs of it and the, the real restorative of, of serotonin and, and dopamine and GABA to the system. So that one's a little less recognizable, but that doesn't mean it's less accomplishable. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And typically when you apply neurofeedback for these types of uh, disorders, is it a one session that kind of like can really make the change in a, in a patient or, or is, does it require multiple sessions? Yeah, this is no quick fix. <laughs> um, you know, when I first got trained, they said 20 sessions is usually a minimum. That is astonishing to me. Um, I find it goes way more into 40, 80 sessions for really taking someone all the way to peak performance. Um, and that means your golf game is great. You know, you're firing on all pistons. Um but the way I explain it to people is imagine dysregulation in the brain. Picture that dysregulated brainwave going up and down irregularly. And then imagine grass that's standing straight up in the air. When you step on grass, it goes flat. But as soon as you move your foot, it pops back up slowly. Unless you keep walking on it over and over again. And then you create a new path. And that's what we're doing with the neuro. And so we initially start with, uh, depending if it's pain or emotion regulated, we, we start with one specific part of the brain. And we work with that for five to seven sessions. And then we move on to the emotion center. And then we move into trauma. And then we move into left-right brain regulation. And then into the whole crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and then peak performance. So it's kind of like if you go to the gym, if you just want to go and lose five pounds, it's going to be much faster. If you're looking to get fit, 
it's a much more long-term commitment, but so a minimum of 20, but it, it can go much longer. Right. So what it, it seems like to me, it's like you're changing the brain chemistry through neuroplasticity, right? Absolutely. And so it does take some time for these connections and changes to occur. Um, but I like how you're, it's interesting. I don't know if this is the standard, but by employing the neurofeedback to different parts of the brain, it seems like the play. And as you were alluding to, to a gym, to really get fit and healthy, you want to be using all the machines and all the, all the tools that are available at the gym instead of focusing on just one specific modality. And that's kind of like exactly. analogous to what you're doing. And when you think about it, if you take 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of dysfunction and it takes you six months to correct it, that's still pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, are you modulating the brain waves? I, I mean, are we trying to change their heightened state or whatever state that they're in and modulate it so that they're more in like an alpha theta state or, or is, what's the, the waveforms that we're looking? So the trauma work, the trauma work is done in alpha theta. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is done in beta, SMR, um, ILF, uh, different, different wavelengths. Mm-hmm. And for, for people with, um, who are suffering from, from sleep, can the neurofeedback also assist with that as well? Yeah, actually, it's funny. Sleep tends to be one of those positive side effects because the brain doesn't just fix what we want it to fix. It fixes its whole self. And um, I sort of discovered the, the impact on sleep through working with people for anxiety. Even I had this one guy when I first started doing this years ago came in for rheumatoid arthritis. Um, not that we could fix the rheumatoid arthritis, but we could fix, we could reduce the pain that he was experiencing. And he came to me one day and he said, I've been living in my house 30 years. And for 30 years, I've had a drawer full of sleep meds. And I gotta tell you, I emptied that drawer. And I was so blown away by that. And I ran into him to a couple of years later at a cafe. And I said, just out of curiosity, you know, how's the sleep? And he goes, drawer's still empty. Actually, it's full of a bunch of other fun stuff, but I sleep like a baby. And that is one of the things that are reported the most is I'm sleeping so well and dreaming. People who say they've never dreamt before are suddenly dreaming. That's mm-hmm. a very common uh, result. And it seems like the sleep is a byproduct of the application of neurofeedback for specific disorders like the anxiety and depression. Are there any other byproducts that are positive that we also see besides improving sleep and dreaming? Yeah, mood is is a, a very common one. Um, another man that I work with, this was for ADD, he said to me that he found it very bizarre that He's always opened doors for people, you know, at a market or wherever, but um, people were just smiling at him differently. And his daughter said to him, daddy, you're in such a good mood now. You never, and he said he felt so guilty that he hadn't been in a good mood this, you know, her whole life or whatever. Um, But there was a noticeably different mood. Um, Personally, what I experienced was 
a bizarre state of calm, but awake things that would normally be like, Oh my God. I remember one time someone hit my car and it was like, I dropped a rubber band on the floor and I didn't notice it till afterwards. I reflected on it and went, wow, that didn't impact me at all. It wasn't like a huh in my stomach. It was just, okay. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> let's take care of it. <laughs> it. That's, that's fascinating. I guess that's how you can approach and see, how it's affecting you positively because you're not taking the medicine, you're not taking a drug, right? So you'd expect when you're taking a medicine or a drug, you can feel the impact immediately. But this is something that takes over time and you may not gauge the success of it immediately after a session. It could be when you notice yourself reacting to a situation a lot differently. Yeah. And that's amazing. And I, I'm, I'm also assuming that you probably have a, a lot of success in getting people off of their medications, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, and things of that nature. Of course. And I always do that in conjunction with the doctor because I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't prescribe. But it's, it's really a very common thing for people to come in about is I, I want to get off my antidepressants. And sometimes a light antidepressant is necessary in some people, but not always. Um, the hardest thing, the most frustrating thing for me, the most heartbreaking thing is that a lot of people when they're experiencing anxiety get prescribed benzos. They get mm -hmm. prescribed Xanax and, and Ativan and Clonopin, and they become addicted to the substance and they experience a lot of rebound anxiety. And they're off of it, yeah. Where the body's just craving the pill. Yeah. Um, and it spikes its own anxiety. So ad addiction is a real thing. And um, it's so hard to get the body out of that cycle. But with, with anxiety, it's such a relief to know, like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. Neurofeedback is great in of itself, but then when you stack it with all the other modalities that you use, I would imagine the the success of treatment is so much greater. And I mean, it's interesting. So I, I would have never actually have incorporated art therapy or olfactory anxiety reduction. I mean, I don't even know what that is. I mean, so what is that, and and how do you how do you implement these strategies when a client comes to see you? Okay, so 
Um, what I have is an intensive outpatient program. That's what most people use when they when they come to me. So we we take insurance and they commit to nine hours a week of treatment. So they're coming three days a week, three hours a day. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I sort of mimic the drug treatment IOP uh, plan, except for we don't deal with addiction and substance abuse. We deal with strictly um, emotional, mental health stuff. And so when someone comes to my program, they're going to get three months of everything. So you're going to get through those neurofeedback cycles easily in the three months because they're doing neuro three times a week. Um, Art therapy, when you do art, you're expressing your pain in a way that is so much more subconscious then you realize, and a lot of people will say, I'm not an artist. I'm like, do you have feelings? Because that's all you need to do art therapy. If you have feelings, you can do art therapy. Um, in fact, it's, it's almost better to not be an artist because then your head's not in that perfection space with your, with your work. So olfactory anxiety reduction is just a fancy way to say aromatherapy. But I feel like when I say aromatherapy, people just think, (laughs) exactly. Um, But I work with someone who, she's amazing. She works with the St. John's Cancer Ward in Santa Monica. She's worked all over London with doctors. And scents trigger neurotransmitters. So for instance, we all know lavender relaxes you. But sandalwood keeps you asleep. Lavender will help you fall asleep. Sandalwood will help you stay asleep. Neroli is an interesting scent that can often replace an antidepressant. I don't know what that is. Is that, an, is that a specific oil? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the earth has a beautiful pharmacy for us. Yes. And scent is our, our most powerful scent. It's our oldest scent. It's huge for upper GI and lower GI problems, IBS. There are certain scents that relax the stomach and restore appetite. Focus, concentration is more like rosemary. I think there's just, I could go on and on. But we make little inhalers for our clients that they just hold up to their nose. It doesn't shoot into your nose. It's just like a, a smell. Sure. And they carry it around in their pockets. These become tools like instead of popping a pill, why don't you get out this scent that naturally relaxes you and grounds you and puts you in place? You know, the breath work, all, all the different stuff together that they, t- that they practice throughout the whole week. And then once they get a hang of it, they kind of figure out what they like using at home. Different things work for different people. Right. And that's, it's really important. Um, I mean, I guess you're just introducing all these various modalities and whatever resonates with the person after they're done with you, they can continue on their own. Exactly. Another tool that I was interested to see if you use to have an objective measure of success is heart rate variability. Do you uh, have any experience with that and uh, use that as a tool to gauge success? Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with heart math at Mm -hmm. all. Yeah. But heart math has been amazing for our clients in, um, you know, it's one thing to say the way you think about your thoughts, the way you, the, the thoughts you think impact your body, they impact your blood pressure. And it's a lovely idea, but when they can actually see it on the screen and they think about something that stresses them out and they watch their heart rate get irregular 
and then they're able to take themselves to a different place, it's so empowering, Mm -hmm. so empowering. Is that a neurofeedback tool that you use at um, your clinic or is that something that you send home people to use on their own when they're in in their own situations uh, by themselves? We do heart math with them at the clinic. It is, there are smaller, lesser systems that people can purchase and take home, but they spend a lot of time doing it at the center. So they really have a sense of how their thoughts are impacting them. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I've, I've read about HeartMath. It's really, it's really awesome how you can just, you know, you could do it on, on your phone or, or utilize it on an app and just have to purchase the accessories, but that's a valuable tool. And I've been telling myself that I have to get around to doing it because I have a tendency to be to be in, in fight or flight. And mm-hmm. um, I've, I, I really feel that I was born into life in fight or flight as my mother was experiencing some sort of physiological trauma and some emotional issues when she delivered me. So I, I feel that it was only about a year ago when I learned how to breathe uh, diaphragmatically. Mm-hmm. And I was, a, I was a chest breather. And so um, I find myself nowadays, it's like if I practice my breathing techniques on a regular basis, It'll keep me out of fight or flight, but I think I probably need to use something like a heart math tool because I could probably see how much I need that tool to see what my brain is going through on a daily basis and an hourly basis and figure out, oh, okay, I need to change this and I need to change that because that will help me probably get out of fight or flight on a regular basis. Yeah. And you know, fight or flight, you're, you're right. We inherit Uh, emotions, just like we do eye color. Um, And I like to tell people, anxiety is never what's wrong with you. Anxiety is what's right with you. It's a necessary component to survival. And we're survival of the fittest. So we've passed down generation after generation of people who can recognize the lion and fight or run as fast as they can. But I think also, too, as much as it's important to know where your body is, like, is my blood pressure up right now? Almost more important is how to soothe the body. Because when our body is engaged in that place, if we know, like, for instance, it's like taking your temperature. You can take your temperature to know if you have a fever or not, but you kind of already know. And it doesn't change the fact that you have a fever. It's more important to, you know, put the cold, wet socks on your feet and make sure you're getting the right antibiotics or fluids or whatever to help return the body to its normal state than actually monitor it. Because sometimes over-monitoring can contribute to the anxious state. That's a good point. Yeah. Do you want to have the tools first? It doesn't do any good to like, my temperature is 105. Now what do I do? You know? No, that's a really good point. Cause it could, you know, and that's people, a lot of people who have anxiety have uh, some sort of OCD. So you can rally. It's a, it's actually a, a cycle that they can perpetuate themselves in. So yes. that's a good point. In, in general, are there any side effects from neurofeedback? The only side effects that we see are, are based on the frequencies that we're using. Um, so if someone feels a pressure in their head or they become anxious or their stomach becomes irritated, that's a signal to us that we need to operate on a different frequency and just find the right frequency for the brain. The good thing about the side effect piece is that 
because there's no quick fixes with neurofeedback, there's also no quick breaks either. So anything that you're doing with neurofeedback in order to make it long-term has to be done over and over and over again. So if we have a session or two where a person's feeling dysregulated and we're trying to find that frequency, it's, it's not going to be permanent unless we keep doing it at the wrong frequency over and over, which of course we do not do. So it's, it's really more of a cue on how to guide us to give the person the right, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to put you on the spot and if you can't think of one, that's not an issue, but would you mind describing like a success story of one of your clients? Oh, put me on the spot. It's all good. <laughs> um, God, there are so many. I, I mean, it really is like tear jerking sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, if, if I could, I, I would even use one of my own personal because I always struggle with client confidentiality and, and I would never use anyone's name anyway. Of course. Um, but my own mom really, really struggles as she gets older. Her amygdala has become really overwhelmed with anxiety. And um, whenever she comes in regularly, she's like, thank you so much. I feel like myself mm. again. Um, you know, I've, I've treated some people with who are struggling with Alzheimer's. And even though it doesn't make any long term impact. It's like taking a vitamin. So while they're doing it, their memory starts coming back. They're able to be present more. Unfortunately, as soon as they stop, it kind of all goes out the window. But to be able to feel grounded again and okay is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, the fear factors, I had this one guy say, that his roof was leaking one night and normally he would wake up his wife and scream and panic. And he said, it was crazy. I put towels down and I went to sleep. I, I went to sleep. And I was like, <laughs> that's, oh that's my wild. God, that's so great. He yeah. said, normally I would have been on the roof with Freaking a tarp, not knowing what the hell I was doing. But yeah. so it's amazing. And, and it, I guess that's really important. And I'm sure, you know, we discussed this and, and covered it, but it, it's really a cumulative effect over time. Right. So it's yes. not just one session and, and everyone's variable depending on how much trauma they've experienced, how high their anxiety levels are, or how, how depressed that they may feel. So it's, it's a personalized treatment program. And that's why it's great that you have all these different modalities because it could resonate with one person and, and may not resonate with another. Yeah, and we recently, one of our most recent success stories is we introduced a machine called PEMF, which is Pulse Electronic, or you know PEMF. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I, I, I have one here at my house, and I use it uh, as frequently as I can. Great. This woman came in. She had had an ectopic pregnancy. She was so depressed. She was in terrible pain. And after like five or six sessions, it really blew me away. She said, I danced out of my shower this morning and I have not felt this good in years or even ever. So, I mean, so did you, did, did you stack the, the pulse electromagnetic frequency therapy with the neurofeedback and some of the other modalities that you had, or how did you use that? 
in in this particular case, she just came in for the PEMF. Oh wow! But in general, I do staff. Yeah, and do you have a mat, or do you just have an applicator that you put in various areas? It's this whole like I I went for the big, you know, behemoth. It, there's a a pad that goes on your back, and there's gold electronic plates that connect at five different points. Uh, on the chest, on the tummy, um, on the arm, depending on what part you're working with, uh, the back of your head, the front of your head. It's a pretty big, the plates are pretty big. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've really only been using that system for hmm, six months and I am blown away by it. Yeah. And, and for those listeners who are unfamiliar with uh, PMF therapy, essentially you're applying electromagnetic frequency that's at a very low end of the spectrum and it's given to you in a pulsed way and what happens is is that it reduces the inflammation in your body and uh, it allows more cellular intake of oxygen and other nutrients and in essence after a session your inflammation is significantly improved and it's great for recovery it's great for injury repair um, and it's so many other applications for just optimal well-being. And it's one of my favorite tools that I use after a, a heavy workout. And I just feel like I want to um, reduce inflammation. If I'm traveling on an airplane, I want to get onto a PMF mat because all that inflammation and toxins that I'm, I'm exposed to needs to just get out and filter out. And the PMF just allows um, that oxygen and nutrients to, to freely flow into the cells where it needs to be given. I love hearing that. Yeah. So, well, Laura, I, I really appreciate having you on the show. For the listeners out there who want to find more about you and your center, how can they find you? So we are in Agora Hills, California, just, just um, really Los Angeles. And you can always check out our website at missingpeaceforanxiety.com. But that's Missing, just like it sounds, peace like peace of mind, P-E-A-C-E, the number four, uh, anxiety.com. So missingpeaceforanxiety.com. And we'll include those in our show notes. So I appreciate that. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. A pleasure. I hope I get to see you again. And thanks to all your listeners and to you.